0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. We're covering the Asa Ellera case, of course, the wife of Rex Ewerman, and the whole thing behind doing a documentary on the case of a serial killer who is yet to be tried. I don't think this has ever been done before. Uh... And the attorneys who are advising her, they better be very, very careful with their counsel, as any slip-up could put her in the hot seat. And I'm not totally convinced that Essa Ellerup is cleared from this, this potential indictment, this crime, that her husband is being going to be put on trial very shortly for. The Gilgo Beach case, so far they have them for three Of those murders and potentially a fourth so the surprising thing of coming up with a documentary is i don't know if we've ever been down that road before so hang on you're about to enter the -the off-the-cuff land police off the cuff There has to be some common sense.
1: Yes, sir. They have the car stopped in Tampa, Grant, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger.
0: Welcome right back, guys. We have an unbelievable panel tonight to discuss this this happening, this unprecedented uh, documentary being filmed simultaneously with a, right now, a triple murder that someone's being tried for. Joining me tonight is straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. Welcome to the show tonight, Phil. Thank you, Billy. Thank you for having me. And also, what would it be without the voice of reason, retired NYPD sergeant, attorney, professor at Albertus Magnus College in Connecticut, Sergeant Mike Geary. How you doing, Mike?
2: Bill, good good evening. Good to see you. Good evening, Phil.
0: How are you, Mike? I had to stack the deck tonight oh, yeah. by bringing in the feds. I brought the feds in, but he's very NYPD friendly. His dad and his brother were both NYPD sergeants. He's a Long Island boy. He's a Hofstra law grad. So we'll excuse those three letters, FBI. But welcome to the show, Bobby Chacon. Good to see you, boss. Thanks for having me. You know, Bobby, you're a favorite of these fans. I've got women here going, oh, is Bobby Chacon coming on? I go, you want me to show that scuba diving shot? Uh, I didn't load that up today because I think you're getting sick of it. But uh, (laughs) anyway, Phil, I'm going to start with you. Yes, sir. Is this an unprecedented thing uh, that the wife of a serial killer is being offered seven figures Mm -hmm. to
1: tell her story and careful about the story you tell. Absolutely, Billy. I don't think we've ever seen this before. And a little bit of research that I did earlier today, you know, I think her attorneys, uh, they used the word that after the July 13th arrest that she was left destitute. So I think that they're looking for some sympathy in that respect. Uh, Her attorney, Bob Macedoni, was quoted as saying that, um, and then, you know, uh, we have a thing in New York called the Son of Sam law, which means that uh, the perpetrators of crimes can't profit from it. But they used a loophole in the Son of Sam law. They didn't pay her to be part of the uh, documentary that they're doing, they paid her a licensing fee of $1 million for archival footage. I guess it must mean uh, previous videos, pictures, stuff of that nature. So again, they skirted around the son of Sam law. So no money is going directly to her. Uh, it's going to her on a licensing fee. And none of the money can be used for Rex Uerman's, uh legal defense, or uh, it can't go to him directly. So as long as the money, the way the law reads, if the money doesn't go directly to him or for his legal defense, uh, they get around it and she's going to get a million dollars.
0: Bobby, I'm going to go to you next because we don't like to keep the feds waiting. Uh, <laughs> what, are you, what are your feelings about this? You know, we want to get into the moral question of it. There's definitely a moral question of oh, yeah. it, but it's because no one's at all mentioning the victims.
3: Yeah, you know, and Phil mentioned, if I could quickly talk about the the son of Sam that people are most familiar with, because David Berkowitz is named after a New York City case, right? Um, but what most people don't understand is all of those laws that were passed in the early 80s after Berkowitz and stuff, they were all thrown out. The Supreme Court threw them out. Um, all the Son of Sam laws were thrown out. They were declared unconstitutional restriction on the freedom of speech. And then all the states had to go back and redraft those laws to kind of conform to the Supreme Court. I think it was Simon vs. versus Crime Victim Board was the Supreme Court case that said these laws are basically an unconstitutional restriction of someone's, someone's um, First Amendment rights. And so they were all drafted much more narrow than the original Son of Sam laws after the Supreme Court Came down and struck them down. The, the The states all went back and redrafted, and they're much more narrow now. Um, and they don't, you know, the, they were very broad uh, initially. And so now there's much, there's much more you can do. Um, sometimes even the person actually that committed the crime can. In a way, benefit from it. But I think that you know, in this field, I'm in the, I'm in this field now and I try to sell TV shows oftentimes about cases like this. And Phil's right, they they often and I've even been the recipient of these licensing fees where they can't pay me because they're a news show or something like that. But if I give them a piece of video or give them a photograph, then they can give me a licensing fee, which is Basically, the same thing as my talent fee would have been, uh, except that they can't call it that. And, you know, the lawyers always seem to be able to figure out a way around these things. Now, I think we've been we there's such competition now among the streamers, streaming services to get these cases to the air. Right. We've seen some of these rush jobs could get now. But really, uh, we've been told in the past is you got to have a conviction. Appeals have to have run. You know, the lawyers are very risk averse with a lot of these things. This is why this really surprises me, because, you know, the network lawyers are usually very risk averse. And they 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 pull back on anything to have to do with if if there's not a if there's not a conviction yet. You know, all of this stuff, you have to be very careful in what you say. But I think what what I've seen happen is they're going to follow her around. And I don't think I don't think they're going to air anything until after a jury trial and after either acquittal or conviction in the in the case at least at the trial phase they may even wait till the appellate phase is done but i think that what they what they've given been given is access uh so they're following they're going to have all this in my and this is just from an entertainment standpoint all this amazing footage of her and you know her visits with him and and stuff so it's going to be compelling footage that people are going to want to watch um the, the, like you said, there's a moral question in there, but but as far as an entertainment value, if you can get in there and get that footage as it's happening, even if it's shown later on in a, in a program, um, you know, it it can be quite compelling.
0: These are the uh, the two attorneys. To the left is Vesmetev and he represents the uh, the adult children, Victoria Ewerman. She's 26, and Christopher Sheridan is 33. And to the right is uh, Robert Macedonio. They were on the scene right when the search warrant was being done because they right away slapped a lawsuit on the police department. They've destroyed that house, which I heard looked like, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor after the bombing uh, before the search warrant, you know? So, uh, you know, you you question, I mean, these guys, they're known attorneys out in Suffolk County and. They smelled the uh, they smelled the
2: dollar Mike your thoughts Billy everybody's got to get paid here um you know Johnny Ray's got to get paid everybody's got to get paid they working hard they're billing these hours out they got to get paid and uh you know we saw this sort similar thing with this as this situation in the Murdoch case before the Mur- Alex Murdoch trial homicide trial took place uh for his wife against him for his wife and his his son's death there was already like a Netflix um, documentary done that my, I, I actually saw regarding Alex um, Murdoch's uh, son, who was involved in the boating accident and where uh, he was going to be charged with, uh, with manslaughter. And they were interviewing a whole bunch of the, uh, the kids that he'd hung out with over the course of a couple of years and grew up with. And that seemed rather odd considering, you know, that case hadn't even yet come to trial, too and Murdoch, eventually Murdoch would himself the father would be charged and convicted of homicide but the time frame as as Bobby Chacon said you know it used to be there would be a, a movie that would come out several years after the trial was over after everything was done now they're doing all the prep work ahead of time they're getting the licensing fee uh, to Asa Alzra she's allowing them to have all kinds of pictures then who knows, there may be some sort of voiceover she's going to do. There's going to be videotaped from family birthday parties and things like that, that are going to backfill a story that's going to be completed later on, you know, pre, or should I say pre-fill a story that's going to be fil- finished later on. And uh, it's, they're compacting the time frame from start to finish. And uh, it's, uh, it, it is kind of strange because uh, things that may that may be said. I'm sure she's going to be very circumspect if she's going to say anything. If I'm her attorney, I don't even want her to say a word. But it is strange how quickly they can act on this one. We haven't even set a trial date.
0: The New York Times uh, yesterday uh, spoke about this case in this after Rex Schumann was arrested in July and accused of slaughtering women found bound in burlap and buried along a desolate stretch of Gilgo Beach his family was left reeling and destitute. With their dilapidated Massapequa Park ranch house turned inside out by investigators, Mr. Human's wife, Asa Ellerup, and their two grown children were left to sleep on mats and cook on a grill in the front yard in full view of news crews and true crime gawkers. Things got so bad that the daughter of a West Coast serial killer created an online fundraiser. But where some evil depravity and tragedy media companies saw pay dirt swooping in with lucrative lucrative bids to turn the whole thing into content peacock the streaming service owned by nbc universal is paying the family to participate in a documentary series covering the family through mr human's trial which is likely to begin next year the intense bidding for miss Ellerup's story and the payment caused an outcry from relatives of women whose remains were found in the gilgo beach area including those of shannon gilbert Whose disappearance several miles from Gilgo in 2010 led to the recovery of other victims. So that the New York Times just spoke about that in that fashion yesterday. And I know that Robert Macedonio has been quite critical of uh John Ray, the attorney who uh represents uh the family of Shannon Gilbert. I'm gonna play a little bit of John Ray and we'll we'll just see it what he has to say, because he implicated um, Asa Ellerup uh, in, in a press conference. But let's hear what he has to say here.
4: La Trapeze, which is notorious for, it's a swingers club. Uh, it that They even have, you know, you, you belong as a member. Member. And to go in there, you have to have a partner. And to leave, you have to leave with the same partner. She would go there with her partner, who was a a, a New York City, uh, police detective, and uh, she would go where she said there were quite a few other police officers who were swingers who were there. Uh, I've had that confirmed by other witnesses from La Traprise. Uh She would go and uh, there on uh, celebratory dates, such as Valentine's Day or Halloween and the like, or right around those dates anyway. And in this instance, uh, she went with him uh, to the place in Massapequa Park that had been revealed uh, or advertised in La Trapeze. but they went with in the back seat a a young girl who was hungry and uh, disheveled, uh, and and took her with them. Now, how how they came to have that girl, uh, the witness doesn't is it doesn't really know for sure how how her driver partner had come to have this girl but he had her and the peculiar thing that she she mentions the witness mentions is that that this girl is leaning over in the back seat and bent over towards one side bent over what she didn't know this witness is that regatta had just been recently in a car accident that had put her that had disabled her back so that that little fact was an interesting fact so this is This is him
0: repeating what he said in the press conference where he said this triumvirate, basically, a New York City detective from narcotics, uh, this woman who is the uh, affiant of the affidavit, right, from 27 years ago. And it just so happened the woman in the car with them who they picked up in New York City was Karen Vergata. I mean, I don't know if I bought that story, but all in the media... Bought it hook, line, and sinker. Now all of a sudden you hear nothing about it. Have you heard about that, Bobby?
3: I haven't, and I don't. I, I you know, as he's talking, I'm, I'm wondering about the relevance to, to it of anything. I know lawyers like to throw a lot of stuff up there, um, you know, uh, and, and muddy the waters, and they can, they, they can do that. Prosecutors can't, but, but any other lawyer usually can. Um, and, and so as he's talking, I'm, I'm just like, look, you know. A homicide case. Is a homicide case. You have to focus on the evidence that relates to the homicide and and some of the other stuff. So I'm I'm as he's talking, I'm I'm going like, what's the relevance here? You know, like, you know, what's the allegation? If he's inferring something, I certainly, or he's implying something. I wasn't inferring it. I I just couldn't get to I get to where he was going with it.
0: Well, what where he was going, Bobby? Was he was implicating Asa Ellerup, right, and in being involved in swinging with these people who came from New York City to their home in Massapequa Park.
4: And yeah, this- No, know I
3: get that part, but like, then you're going to then have to make the connection between a swingers lifestyle and a serial killer. There are lots of swingers, uh, in, you know, in, in the country. There are lots of swingers clubs. Um, I don't know the connection between that and a serial killer of women. He
1: also makes big jumps in that statement. Uh, He's saying that that's Karen Vergata. We don't know for certain that that's Karen Vergata. He puts a couple of things out there, a girl that had just been arrested, which I'm sure they checked to see if she had been arrested around that time. And then now he's saying that she was in a car accident. There's an injury. That's why she was leaning forward. And you know, he's making a lot of assumptions. He's putting this whole thing together. Now, Apparently, let's say the uh, person who signed the affidavit did visit this La Trapeze Club or whatever it was and was a swinger. He's connecting it all to Rex Ehrman and Ace Elrub. And I don't think the connection is there. I don't see it. Uh, there's a, he, he makes these giant leaps, uh, so to speak. So again, uh, a lot of that stuff has to be uh, investigated and vetted. And if there is a connection, then there is a connection. I don't see it, though.
2: Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, Billy, as... Um we discussed a couple a mu- couple months ago when this first came out. He dirties up Asa Alzra pretty good. He said that when they went out to the Massapequa Park, um, Asa was supposed to have um, a re- intimate relations with uh, Karen Vergata or something like that. And uh, and then Rex Sherman and the and the off it was the Rex Sherman and the off-duty officer. Uh, narcotics office officers were supposed to be getting intimate together um it tri- and the whole implication was that Asa elzerup was a willing participant in swinging and knew that uh that rex sherman uh brought girls to the home and that's where we we uh it's been said that maybe the girls were murdered in the home which would implicate Asa as knowing that these uh, homicides were going on or at least knew he was bringing women to the home and having intimate relations with them while she was either there or not there. So well, the whole
0: reason I'm bringing this up is to show whether or not she can be implicated in this case and thus become a subject. And how appropriate is it to take this documentary? Uh, I'm going to play this from Banfield. Uh,
5: Crime doesn't pay. I've heard that so often, that's what they say anyway. Uh, We sure hope it doesn't pay, right? It shouldn't, the wrong thing to do. But if the crime is big enough and you're close enough to the action without being locked up yourself, sometimes you can come into money and so can your lawyers. I call your attention uh, to this week's court appearance in the accused Long Island serial killers case, um, that's Rex Hewerman, right? The guy who's uh, been brought in and doesn't have bail, that there's his wife in the middle. Uh, reported at the time that she's actually the soon to be ex-wife, her name is Azza Ellerup. Uh, she's been struggling financially and things have been rough for her and her two adult kids. But they came to court for the first time in a Mercedes and there was a TV crew in tow. And tonight we can report exclusively that Ellerup and the couple's two children signed a production deal with NBC Peacock for a documentary about their ordeal. Uh, NewsNation's Paula Froelich reports that they're being paid at least a million dollars for this. Their lawyers are getting about 600000 and they may not be the only family um, pondering a payday like this because Paula also reports that the family of Brian Koberger has a similar offer but has not signed on the dotted line yet.
0: So, no mention, of course, of the victims. And I can't right. even imagine the victims' families, how upset they are at, uh, at this occurring. That, uh, you know, he's, he's about to go on trial for the murder of uh, Megan Waterman, Melissa Bartellome, and Anne Costello. And they're awaiting the evidence to charge him with Maureen brained Bonds. Yeah. And then when they start hearing that they got a million dollars and these two uh attorneys i'll call them attorneys i, I was gonna say ambulance chases but uh be careful I, I, they i didn't see their it's adidas They're wearing crazy shoes crazy. they didn't have their track shoes on so that they could chase those ambulances but you know it's it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth it really does this horrific crime and before he's even charged the family the family's getting a million dollars and the, the two attorneys are getting 600,000 if it's news nation's report is to be believed if it's true it just
1: it, i think it's a bit upsetting Billy Peacock was quoted as saying that they asked the members of the victims' families to be part of the uh, documentary. However, some turned it down. Something didn't, some didn't respond. But a Shannon Gilbert's sister, Sherry, was quoted as saying that now we're going to be re-victimized and re-traumatized. The first words that came to her mind were disappointed, disgusted, and frustrated. The victims and the families are going to be exploited once again. And I have to agree with her. I mean, you know, something like this that happens way down the line. uh, Okay. uh, We haven't haven't even had a trial. If you look at some of the major cases, like uh, Donnie Brasco, for instance, when that went down, it took maybe 10 years, 15 years, before they came out with a movie. And, you know, a lot of these things usually take time. It seems like in the world of technology today, you know, they, they were on this the minute that Rex Ullman was uh you know arrested. Uh that uh second attorney that Vesmetev supposedly he works for the production company, which is uh Curtis Jackson's company, G Unit Film and TV, or he represents some of the members of that. And that's how this whole thing got started. And Peacock is gonna be the one that's gonna stream it. So again, uh, no mention of victims here, no sensitivity. You know, there's a moral ground. We did talk about that. And uh, they definitely crossed the line here.
0: Well, you know, when they talk about politics makes strange bedfellows. how about the law? There's Vesmetev, one of the attorneys for the Ewerman children, with John Ray. He used <laughs> to be his partner. So it's like, you know, it's a small world. And I'm not saying it's uh, it's not uncommon attorneys out in Suffolk County they work together and they know each other but it's it's too interconnected you know uh Robert Macedonio and Vesmetev were on the scene of the human crime scene uh before you could say human you know and they were looking for an angle to make bucks Bobby
3: you know look, I I always think about I would be immediate. I would be shocked if uh, the Suffolk County Task Force investigating this case did not already look at this angle, look at the wife's involvement, and look at any of this stuff. I mean, look, we got very experienced, very good detectives. Obviously, broke this case, um, and I would be shocked if they didn't already vet that out. I mean, they, they these are sharp guys, uh, men and women probably, and 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 so I, I would be, you know, it's and and that's really them and the prosecutor, in Suffolk County, are the people who should be deciding the culpability of the wife, not any of these lawyers, not Peacock. If the if the wife has any culpability in these crimes, it's the prosecutor's office and it's those detectives on that task force who should be running that out. And I'd be shocked if they hadn't done that already.
0: Well, Bobby, early on, when they took the case down, uh, when Rex Hume, and I think it was at the uh, end of July, was it, that he was arrested? J- July 13th. July 13th. They immediately, and uh police commissioner Rodney Harrison, who we all have a great deal of respect for, former NYPD, chief of department, chief of detectives, and then he went out to uh to Suffolk County. They said immediately the wife is not involved. And I thought that was I know they had 12 or 14 months which they put the case together against Rex Human, but it still seemed rather quick to just clear the wife. I, I felt. Um, Professor Mike, what do you think?
2: Yeah, Billy. It did seem very interesting because as they cleared her of the, uh, the for the th- the death of the three girls, they um, cleared her uh, based on the fact that at, uh, her travels um, that she was out of the state for one instance, um, she was in Iceland at the, at the time of another. They believe another homicide, mm-hmm. and and somewhere uh, uh, in, in, in in someplace else uh, for a third. So they did. I'm sure, as Bobby said. They vetted that. They, they looked at, you know, her, her passport, her travel documents from the State Department, uh, phone records and things like that. So they probably did a good job that way. And it was probably a very solid call that on their part that she wasn't involved. However, this is where she could get herself in trouble if there's ever anything further uncovered. Just because you're cleared doesn't mean you have immunity. She, you know, uh, there's no statute of limitations for homicide or for conspiracy to commit homicide if they ever saw that angle where she could possibly have had any sort of involvement, however small, in um, the selection of a female to uh, engage with and have intercourse with and kill or to dispose of a body or do anything like that. So I don't think she's going to be doing a lot of interviews. We're talking even with this uh, in her involvement in this sort of thing. But there's always that possibility that even though she's cleared, uh, if anything further comes, any further new evidence comes to light, they could re- revisit her uh, her clearance and say, you know what? She's not so clear. We may have some sort of criminal conspiracy here.
3: That's an important distinction. I mean, there's being cleared is not a legal term. It's not a legal definition. There's nothing legal about being cleared. That just means that at that point in time, they didn't think she was involved. That's not, that doesn't handcuff the prosecutors or the police in any way of going back and charging her. I think that in this case, if she has any culpability, um, it would be, and I, and I, and I speaking from a behavioral standpoint and I'm not a profiler, but I do work with profilers a lot. Um It would be unusual in this kind of case. Now, unusual things happen all the time. It would be unusual for a serial killer to enlist the, the, you know, a killer woman to enlist his wife. Where her culpability may rely, may lie, is if she did things that kind of helped him cover things up and, and, and not unknowingly or knowingly. Or, or leaving herself enough wiggle room to say I didn't know what I was doing when I threw this out, or I threw that out, or I I took a, a load of stuff to the dump and let, dumped it off. She could have some culpability of kind of after the fact crimes, um, where she now she'll probably say I inadvertently, but she may have felt he was up to something and not known, mm-hmm. but also at the same time helped you know get rid of something that she thought maybe you know you know I don't know this. This is just conjecture on my part, but. The, I think where her culpability could lie um, is kind of accessory after the fact type of stuff where she may have gotten rid of some stuff that she felt, um, you know, not not that she knew what he was doing. Maybe she knew he was up to some some kind of something wrong. And, and then she helped kind of get rid of some, not a body. I'm talking about like other types of evidence that she may have helped. Uh, and of course, she would say that was inadvertent. But that's, I think, where her culpability might come in.
0: You I know, think, yeah, uh, I think there's no doubt that he, that he was at least psychologically abusive. He oh may not God. have been physically abusive because we would see domestic violence reports or that the police had been to this house X Y Z amount of times. But I have no doubt that he was psychological. I mean, you look at the house. The guy's an architecture, an architect, and his house is the worst house on the block. <laughs> it looks like you know, it looks like a homeless shelter. You know, and It just doesn't fit his persona of being a, a business owner in Manhattan, having an office in Manhattan, takes the train out to Massapequa Park, which is a nice neighborhood on Long Island. And his house sticks out like a sore thumb. Phil, you wanted to say something?
1: Yeah, I wanted to say that I believe that the investigators uh, probably were satisfied. They corroborated she was out of the country at different times when we believe the murders took place. That's probably why they said we feel she's cleared. Now, did she have knowledge of him playing around with sex workers or going to swing clubs? That's really a question that needs to be answered. And again, uh, Bill and I talked about it earlier. There was a documentary with uh, Robert Durst, who had killed several people, and during the uh, one of the breaks, he went into the bathroom. He still had the mic on and he said, yeah, I killed them all. So again, she really is uh, in danger of uh, putting herself in a trick bag for something of that nature. I don't think that she's involved in the murders. As Bobby said, most uh, serial killers don't enlist other people, especially family members on things of that nature. So uh, I I have to agree with that. So uh, does she have knowledge of him? You know, yeah, go ahead, go play with your, your, your sex workers. And I'm going away too. Iceland or whatever, Uh, you know, they had a long marriage. Uh, Bill and I both feel that perhaps he was some type of an abusive uh, family member towards the wife and the children. The house, from what we heard from, you know, intimate details from detectives that were on the scene, it didn't appear to be anything but in disarray. So, again, that's all earmarks of, uh, I guess, a chaotic lifestyle in the home. So I think it's not a stretch to say that perhaps he was maybe psychologically abusive towards the family.
0: I want to play this of uh, Dan Abrams, another little cut from News Nation.
6: Stunning new potential evidence tonight in the case of suspicion.
0: It should load up.
6: Infected Gilgo's Beach serial killer, Rex Heuerman. It Turns out his estranged wife may have known about his alleged double life, even supposedly accusing one of the sex workers who came to their home of stealing her clothing iron from their home. John Ray, attorney representing victims in this case, spoke today alongside Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison about what a witness told him. About the wife, Asa Ellerup, he was a serial
4: user of sex workers. He would sometimes have them come two at a time to his house, and his wife was home upstairs. And in one instance, got very angry at one of the sex workers because the wife believed that the worker had stolen an iron from, you know, for ironing clothes, and had. Uh, had it in the car with the driver. Bizarre it sounds,
6: the sex worker allegedly accused of stealing the wife's iron, and that's what she was upset about. The estranged wife, whose attorney will join us in a moment, has not been named a suspect, but her hair was found on duct tape on one victim and on the head of another, according to court records. The police commissioner did answer questions too. We should point out he was not wearing his police uniform as he has in uh, past, past conferences about the case.
2: We have the information. We're working it, and, uh, we'll see where it leads us down the road.
6: Now, the story gets even more bizarre. About an hour after that press conference, the DA's office released a scathing statement about it, saying, quote, "...without providing any advance notice of the prosecutors pursuing this case in court or the Gilgo Beach Homicide Task Force members investigating these murders day in and day out, we watched today's press conference not knowing what was going to be reported. We will continue to investigate this case through the grand jury process and not through press conferences." The victim's family's attorney also revealed evidence that he says connects Hewerman to two more women who were found dead on Long Island, Shannon Gilbert and Karen Vergata. Vergata may have allegedly been in Huerman's house with his wife.
4: In the house was the wife of Rex Hewerman and uh, Rex Eurman and the, the, the other girl. The other girl who we believe to be Karen Vergata.
6: Kierman has been charged with three counts of first-degree murder, three counts of second-degree murder, and the deaths of Melissa uh, Barthelmey, Megan Waterman, Amberlynn Costello, after DNA evidence tied him to the killings. He's also the prime suspect in another case. Now, joining me now is Robert Mes- Macedonio, attorney representing. Macedonio, how are you, Danny? Macedonio, I apologize. I practiced. I actually practiced it before I, I started, too. Um, who joins us now? I appreciate it. All right, You've got a lot to respond to here. Let me just let you respond and uh, to what we just heard, all
7: right, Dan. I think the DA's statement says it all. It's hard to take anyone serious wearing a purple hat at a press conference. You know, jo- Johnny Ray has tried to keep himself relevant in this case since the arrest of Rex Human. It's been stated several times, not only by the police commissioner who stood by him, by the DA's office that Shannon Gilbert, who's Johnny's client, is not related to any of the other Gilgold victims. Um, so what he's desperately trying to do is link a civil defendant to his clients so he has somebody to sue to recoup the tens of thousands of dollars he has spent chasing his tail the past 12 years that he's been involved in this case. So is it it's not true? It's outran- outlandish claims. I categorically deny him on behalf of the element it's, it's just ridiculous.
6: So, so again, yeah, just to follow up on that, not true that she knew about the sex workers.
7: It's not true. Taking an iron. You're going to fight with someone taking an iron. You, you go back, the allegations are go back several years ago. The children are, are 34 and 26 now, so they were what? Teens, if not younger. The house is very small. Everybody's seen the house. So the allegation is small children are upstairs in the house. Why Rex has sex workers downstairs in the house? It makes no logical sense. It's a nice, middle-class neighborhood. The houses are all very close together. Any of this would have been witnessed by any of the neighbors. It's just, it makes no relevant sense. You, you, like I said, you go back to the purple hat. He looks like he's more trying out for a part in the Willy Wonka movie than he is representing any victims. What?
0: <laughs> its I, I had to hear that line again. I just i just <laughs> thought it was so... It brings a one smile. One of the to things that, 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 with this, though... Is when John Ray, and again, he's been involved this in this case longer than any other attorney attorney. He represents the family of Shannon Gilbert. But the allegations, when he did the press conference with Rodney Harrison, police commissioner Rodney Harrison, I immediately said, this sounds he's all over the place with these allegations. And the witness or witness says he claimed he had four witnesses, only two of them signed an affidavit. There are some information they gave that can be vetted, that can be checked. This happened, this press conference was over a month ago. I don't see anything happening because Asa Elarup signed on for a seven, a $1 million deal. If she was involved in this, I think an attorney would say, no, don't do it yet. Let's see where this goes. Bobby, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, the, I'm disturbed by that hat and that tie, both. Um, but but my thoughts on on the the substance of the allegations is again, I'm sure that the task force has looked into these things. And you also have to remember, there's a civil forfeiture arm to this. If if she does profit from it now, and if she's later found to have been have any kind of culpability, there can be civil proceedings to get that money back, or you know, or the government can actually get it. Uh, You know, if it's Peacock's money, the government then could get it. So, um, you know, but but what he said, you know, maybe, you know, maybe maybe he didn't bring the sex workers back to the house. But when I was talking about culpability after the fact was, you know, if she knows her husband's this philandering guy who visits a lot of sex workers and then she kind of maybe happens upon some clothing in his car once and she's fed up with him and gets rid of it. And that clothing turns out to be clothing of one of the victims, ultimately. You know, now she has possibly some culpability. Um, now, she may have not known the girl was murdered or one of the victims, but, you know, she knows her husband is visiting, Sex work. They had a long marriage. It, it would be surprising to me if she didn't know that he had some of the predilections going on in his life, um, even though she was out of town at the time. He seemed to be pretty prolific um, with his behavior. And it would be hard for me to believe that she didn't know anything. She might've been looking the other way thinking he's just visiting prostitutes. That's his thing. Um, she probably, she may not have known he was killing them obviously. Um, but, but I think that she may have inadvertently, um, done something like that. So she may have culpability, but again, I'm sure the task force is running all this stuff down. I mean, it really did surprise me that, you know, the PC was next to that lawyer at the press conference. And then hours later, you know, the prosecutor's office comes back and really kind of puts the brakes on that stuff. Um, I would expect it from the law. I wouldn't expect the PC to be there kind of lending credibility to some of those claims.
0: I think there was some tension between uh, District Attorney Ray Tierney and police outgoing Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison, who we all agree brought some NYPD know-how, know-how out to Suffolk County. And in a case that was unsolved for 12, 13 years, 14 months later, they have someone in handcuffs. So that cannot be denied. And it seemed to me, and we said early on in this case, that uh, District Attorney Ray Tierney never met a camera he didn't like. The guy was on TV more than, than you write for Criminal Minds. He was uh, more than you're a talking head on, on News Nation and, and CNN and Fox. He, The guy was on TV. Well, and we, as NYPD guys, we said, whoa, this should be the PC doing this, not right. the District Attorney. So we were a little concerned. And so I, I, I think that why the reason why Rodney Harrison stood next to John Ray was that as the case moves forward, John Ray could very well be a defense witness. Didn't you tell the police about all this evidence you had? You, did, right. you Yeah, and Rodney Harrison checked it out, and we, we looked into it, and we found out there was no basis for it. Or there was a basis for it, and that's why we looked into it. Right. But I think that's the reason, uh, Phil, do you want to say something?
1: Yeah, I want to say uh, kind of a question to Bobby. Now, I have to agree what Macedonia said there. He said, uh, you know, kids in the house, prostitutes, the wife, a serial killer. And, and Bobby knows better than any of us. I mean, we've all had some, uh, you know, encounters with serial killers. But, you know, he works with profilers. Uh it doesn't sound like that would be the profile of a serial killer, Bobby. Do, am I correct?
3: Yeah, you're correct. What's going it. on, right? Yeah, I, I would be really surprised if he was that sloppy. Uh, you just don't get a, you don't get away with something for that long being that sloppy. Although I will say that I saw an interview of a neighbor on the block very early on after the arrest. And the guy said, look, my, my son grew up on this street and we knew that guy. And, and now he's an adult and he lives down south. And I called him up when I heard the arrest. I said... Hey, remember that guy? Remember the serial killer at the end of the street? They used to refer to Uberman as the serial <laughs> killer, the serial at the end of the killer. He was the weird guy. And, yeah. they, you know, they didn't actually know he was a serial killer. But they jokingly co- referred to him as that while the kid was growing up. And he calls his son and says, remember the, the, the serial killer that lives down the street? He's actually a, so serial he a serial killer. So, like, he actually had enough bizarre behavior that some of the neighbors, like, would refer to him as that. Now, I'm sure it was, like, more of a joke type of thing. Um, but you're right, Phil. I think that serial killers do not, you, you just don't do that. You, you, you're much more, they're much more careful. They're much more methodical um, or else they wouldn't get away with it for so long. Somewhere along the line, if he was that sloppy, he would have made a mistake and, and, and you'd see it. And, and the kids would be there. Now, the kids are adults and stuff and, and, and stuff. It would be hard for me to believe that they saw anything of substance or saw anything of value to the investigation and didn't come forward and say something. That was a wild sex
1: party is what they described. A wild sex party and a serial killer, in my mind, are two totally different things.
3: Absolutely.
1: You know, know, one of the things, and I have it with
0: me at all times, the (laughs) 32-page probable cause affidavit against Rex Human, And on page 18, they search his computer, and they show some of the outrageous things he was searching, child porn, rape videos, all this stuff. My question is... To you, Bobby, can a man that has this life, this private life, not show
3: outward signs of it in his everyday personality? Well, it depends. Like Phil was just saying, like, so if you're a swinger, it doesn't mean you're a serial killer, right? And so so there might have been out—it depends what you're talking about these outward indicators are. If he's just a weird guy that the neighbors know is weird, that's not a serial killer. If he's just—if he's a swinger, that's not a serial killer. You know, there's different things, and now we're, we're we're looking for it in reverse, right? We're 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 deconstructing it, and of course, we know he's a well. We kind of think he's a serial killer. Now we think the allegations will hold up, but but all those other odd behavior things. Now we see them all as part of his his routine and his serial killing. But but taken on their own individually, you know, I don't know that any of them say this guy's a serial killer.
0: Absolutely. But I mean, you know, they were able to to search his computer remotely, which just is another sort of cool trick that they could do now that we couldn't always do. And finding this information out, as, as I said, I mean, I think he was an abusive uh, husband, at least psychologically abusive. And obviously, if he if he had money, he was blowing all his money on his secret life and his 279 guns, which... They also want back, I believe, so that they could sell the guns. Sure, but he had two hundred seventy-nine guns in a in a safe uh, in his house, a very small house. But he he kept a safe for those two hundred seventy-nine guns. That's not so usual for a serial killer either, and because he wasn't using these weapons. Uh, if we believe he is the serial killer, he wasn't using them to kill these young women.
3: And I, there's a there's a thing that happens too with these cases, and um we have to, you don't have to separate it. And I don't mean to, to kind of uh, uh, make light of anything, but these people do have lives. So Rex Rubin did have a, a life. He went to work. He had an office. He, he had coworkers there. And so, so he, you know, we tend to make these guys out as monsters. No question. They're evil monsters. But before they're caught, they have a life. I mean, the last serial killer I worked when I was working was 2011, Israel Keys. He had an 11-year-old daughter. He used to braid her hair and send her to school. Um, and 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 so, and so they have lives that now we now that we have the lens to look at it, oh, we we tie everything in their life back to the serial killing, but they had lives, they had activities, they had hobbies totally unrelated to the serial killing. And and so, like, you know, we have to be careful about not looking at every part of his life and tying it back to see we should have known because this, well, that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes these guys are good at having facades. Now, this guy did have some. You know some really weird behaviors, but again, it's behavior that other people have too that aren't serial killers. And so, and so, like you're not everybody that goes to a swing club is a serial killer, obviously. And so, and so, I think that you have to look at, you have to parse away that stuff and go, well, yes, now it kind of indicates something, but on the surface of it. You know nobody missed anything simply because they said, Oh, they should have known he was a serial killer because he had the because he went to sex workers. Well, lots of people go to sex workers that don't kill them and don't and, and aren't serial killers. Um, good
0: so- point. But after the fact, everyone says, Oh, I knew he was a serial killer,
3: you know. Even <laughs> the name black. Black. Oh, I'm
0: Creston now, I knew he was, <laughs> I knew that guy was the Long Island serial killer, you know, <laughs> crazy, but uh. Let's get back to the whole point of this this documentary and the fact that you know the family obviously was left destitute. He was their only source of income. There seems to be some uh problems within the family potentially uh I know that they have a special needs son, even though he's i think he's thirty six years old. The daughter actually worked with Rex uh in his in his architecture firm in the city, so not only did they lose Rex's income, they lost her income, too, because she worked for him. And so all of these things made, I think, the family sort of sympathetic. Uh, many people that have followed this case are sympathetic that the family was left uh, broken. They were left destitute. And I, I mean, I always felt my cop sense that they somehow knew, and if they didn't know, there were signs of in his behavior that showed he was not a good guy.
3: That's that's what we talk about. Like you knew he was weird. You knew he was kind of. But what did you know? Like you know, you don't make that leap to he's the Long Island serial killer. <clears throat> that's a tough leap to make. You know he's weird. You know he's probably visiting prostitutes or something. And 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 while you may know that, I don't think that that extra leap. I think that's the hardest leap to make is to know that your father is that kind of. You know, we now know. I mean, the daughter of, of, is it BTK? Uh, One of the daughters of of a serial killer is now. Yeah, I think it's BTK. BTK. She's going around and she's kind of like in the true crime world and stuff and kind of giving insight a little bit. But I also know there was a serial killer out here in San Diego. I think that, you know, the the first thing the the two grown kids had to do was move away and change their names. They had to legally change their names because this guy's name was all over the place. And they had to move away, get away from the geographic area. Their lives are ruined and they had to start over again. And they, they couldn't. It was almost like they went into witness protection. They didn't. But like they had to move away, not tell anybody where they were from or their prior life because because that that's held against them. And, and a lot of times these families are vilified in some some respects, you know, and 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 it's a shame. I mean, we're seeing that in the Petito case with 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 laundry's parents. I mean, now now they may have some culpability and in, in having helped him and stuff. But but some of these families don't and, and they do get vilified. They get tarnished by the behavior of of that family member. And it's a shame. Now, the moral implications of, you know, this deal she's made with Peacock, you know, look, I'm in Hollywood. Uh, morals don't exist. There's no moral. They don't exist. <laughs> there's no moral standard here. The, the only the only thing that trumps money in, in Hollywood is politics. Um, you can't get certain types of TV shows made uh, even though they will make money, I mean, we see that in Yellowstone. But there's a lot of backlash against Yellowstone because it's it leans more conservative to a conservative audience and stuff, um, and, and all of its you know franchises and stuff, you know. But the I always say the only thing that really trumps money in Hollywood is politics and and and, point. and, and the morality of it doesn't even come into play. I, I mean, and there's so much competition. You know, I think there was that that I don't know that owl case. Remember, it was supposedly an owl the staircase? Remember the staircase? um case where the guy where the woman fell down the stairs the husband was convicted of it i think um and he said you know an owl flew into the staircase and knocked her down and um and there was a a documentary called the staircase that came out after the trial but they followed him around they had access to him and his attorneys during the lead-up to the trial they had all this what i thought was compelling footage i was watching it and 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 he ultimately he was convicted of the crime and then they the documentary came out afterwards because i know there's just just tremendous competition to get these things to market. I mean, we've all seen it. Even the fictionalized version comes out, like, you know, within weeks or months, they have some fictionalized version with actors playing the people uh, nowadays. I mean, you, you can't, you know, like you, see, like you guys said earlier, like it used to be a way, there was some kind of waiting period, some kind of tasteful waiting period. And now, you know, with the competition of all the different streams, it used to be only three networks. So now with all these different streamers competing for the same thing, I think this is what I think this is the next logical step in that, and I think we're going to probably see it more often.
0: Absolutely. Let me play a little bit of this again from News
5: Nation. Uh, crime doesn't pay. I've heard that so often. That's what they say anyway. Uh, we sure hope it doesn't pay, right? It shouldn't. It's the wrong thing to do. But if the crime is big enough and you're close enough to the action without being locked up yourself, sometimes you can come into money and so can your lawyers i call your attention uh to this week's court appearance in the accused long island serial killers case um that's rex huerman right the guy who's uh been brought in and doesn't have bail that there's his wife in the middle uh, reported at the time that she's actually the soon-to-be ex-wife her name is Azza Ellerup. Uh, she she's been struggling financially and things have been rough for her and her two adult kids but they came to court for the first time in a Mercedes, and there was a TV crew in tow. And tonight we can report exclusively that Elrup and the couple's two children signed a production deal with NBC Peacock for a documentary about their ordeal. Uh, News Nation's Paula Froelich reports that they're being paid at least a million dollars for this. Their lawyers are getting about 600000 and they may not be the only family um, pondering a payday like this, because Paula also reports that the family of Brian Koberger has a similar offer but has not signed on the dotted line yet.
0: So again, that's, you know, Brian Koberger, of course, is the accused of the Idaho Four, the students at university of Idaho. And did his family refuse to do it out of moral convictions or were they afraid they would put them in the mix? I I would like, you know, I'd like to know that answer, but it just, I don't know. I, I, I have a, I have a bit of a problem with this, I think. I, I really do. And um, many people that watch True Crime say, oh, you guys are doing the same thing. I Well, I'm not related to a serial killer and signing on a dotted line to do a documentary about that serial killer. So, um, yeah, we do report on this, but it's, I think it's a lot different than what, you know, doing a documentary when you when your husband, your father is accused of being an All-Island serial killer.
1: Phil? Billy, uh, I'm glad that Bobby brought up the BTK killer because that family was taken completely by surprise. Now, the chance... That this family was taken completely by surprise exists as well. And we do note there were reports that the uh, the architecture firm that closed down where the daughter worked, uh, the mother lost insurance, everyone lost insurance, they all lost the income. So again, now somebody's offering you a million dollars at a time when you don't have health insurance. And I believe they said she was diagnosed with some form of cancer. Uh, they're living in a home that was kind of uprooted because of the search warrant. It didn't take much convincing for them to sign on to this documentary. So, again, uh, I I know we're kind of playing devil's advocate on both sides, but uh, the possibility does exist that she was out of the country. Maybe the children were away when these you know horrific things took place, and they really didn't have any knowledge of his you know uh serial killing. Uh, perhaps he was visiting sex workers. We don't even know if they knew about that. So, uh, if they were taken by surprise, their lives were turned up upside down. And I guess you could even call them victims of this whole thing. So now they're, you know, uh, getting a life ring, you know, somebody's throwing them a life ring, a million dollars to, you know, sign on to this documentary. And, uh, I don't think it took much convincing when you're in that position, you know?
0: Absolutely. Folks, you know, this
1: I, is I, I, the-
3: no, sorry. sorry.
0: And I was just going to do a quick commercial. Folks, this is Police Off The Cuff, real crime stories. If you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. And if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. If you want to contribute to us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. and We also have a YouTube channel member, memberships with five different levels. And we appreciate all our subscribers, our fans, our friends, and uh, they've helped this show stay alive for the better part of uh, four years. Um, Let me come back. Bobby had a comment before I so rudely went to a commercial. No, no, I'm
3: sorry. Yeah, so I don't know. You guys know, I I actually, for the first time in my life, recently served on a jury. So I was picked for a jury uh, trial um, recently. And it was a murder trial, a murder in the first degree uh, with special circumstances, which in California means it could be the death penalty, which isn't really on the table much here. Um, So I was a juror for five months uh, in this murder trial. And I was the jury foreman. I was elected the jury foreman. Now, having 30 years in law enforcement and 27 as the FBI agent and a, a law degree, you know, I've always been dismissed when I, I show up every year dutifully for court and, and jury duty. And I always get dismissed. And this year, um, for some reason, the defense counsel had ex, uh, had ex, uh, challenges, preemptory challenges. that could have gotten rid of me for no cause. And um, and they didn't. And they, I, I stayed on the jury for five months. One of the things the judge told us in the first day when they sourced him as a jury is California law says you have to wait 90 days after the verdict is recorded before you can enter into a contract to sell your story. So all the jurors, look, Date, Dateline was in the courtroom the whole time. This was a big murder case here. And um, and the jurors are now being told that there's, you have to wait 90 days, but the jurors are all signing contracts or about to sign contracts to sell their story as jurors. So, you know, there there's always you know, and I'm in the true crime world, there's always, you know, money floating around for the right projects to go. And there's such competition now, so many streamers, and, there's so, you know, the money starts getting thrown around. And, and that's what we're seeing in this case. And I, I think this is the first one, not the first one, I think this is an extension, it's been getting quicker and quicker and quicker. And I think this is this may be what we see from now on.
0: Except Bobby, when they ask us to be talent, they never want to pay us. Of course not. No. Law enforcement. They never want to pay us. They always say, We'll fly you here, we'll fly you there, yeah. we'll pay you per diem. we'll pay for your meals. How much do I get? Oh, there's no money to pay you. Right? Yeah, right. Like you know what else? wants to go on a field trip, you know? You you know
1: what else, too, Bob? You brought it up before. There's such fierce competition. So I think the the first person that gets to – and the the lawyer was connected to a production company, Lawyer for the Children. So I guess it wasn't too hard to get – you know, be the first one in it. And, uh, again, with all the competition, you were talking about it earlier, and the way that Hollywood is, and with all the money they're throwing around, the only thing that uh, tops money is politics, like you said. So I could see how this – Kind of happened quicker than would have happened in previous cases, but uh, you know, and and her being was kind of like the perfect storm if that's all true. She has no uh knowledge of anything, you know, the the rug gets pulled out from under them, no insurance, no income. Uh, she's diagnosed with cancer now. They throw the money at her, it all was like the perfect storm, and for her to sign on. So, I guess uh, you know, they, they could be you know, viewed as victims as well.
3: I understand that the, they also could be seen as they're even if they didn't know they're still benefiting from their father's slash husband's crimes, you know, kind of, they are, yes. you know, um, but you know, as, as distasteful as that might seem, we have a first amendment in this country and and you're allowed to speak and, and say your story. And if you're not criminally culpable or civilly liable, then, you know, then you can do it. It's, it's, it may be distasteful, it may not be the right thing to do, but there's nothing legally either criminally or civilly, um, that, that prevents you from doing
0: that. Absolutely. You know, this is, it goes on the, um, you can't believe this. And, uh, this is Rex human. Now is corresponding uh, by letter with the happy face killer
6: right now, moving to another case that we've been following very, very closely as the family of the accused Gilgo beach murder suspect, Rex Hewerman said to earn a million dollars, for a new documentary about the case and upcoming trial. This nation's Laura Angle live on Long Island. We're all also learning, Laura, that the convicted serial killer uh, says that Huberman wrote to him. Like, bring us up to speed on what we're what we're hearing today.
8: Yeah, Connell, there's a lot going on in the background of this case. We're talking about money, a deal with the documentary, and now this handwritten letter uh, going from jail to prison. All of this going on in the background of one of the largest serial killer investigations that our country has seen in recent years with the family member, the suspect and the family members here involved in this case, each communicating in different ways. Uh, And that is what is going on here. Rex Heuerman, who has been arrested and charged with three of the murders in the Long Island serial killer case uh, this summer, has only had a couple of visitors in jail. And most recently, we've reported this, that it was his estranged wife, Asa Ellerup, who filed for divorce uh, just six weeks, six days, rather, after his arrest. The New York Times and Forbes reporting today, that Ella Rupp and her two adult children have signed on with the Peacock Network for this seven figure documentary deal. It's a story that was first reported by News Nation. The bidding war for the family story sparked an outcry from the relatives of the women whose remains were found along Ocean Parkway on Long Island. The sister of Shannon Gilbert, uh, one of the main ones here, taking to X, writing this disappointed, disgusted, flabbergasted, frustrated are just a few words that come to mind right now. Now, while Hewerman's wife is making the documentary, her husband has exchanged writings with convicted killer Keith Jesperson, otherwise known as the happy face serial killer. So a really odd occurrence here. Jesperson wrote to Hewerman to encourage him to come clean and confess if he is guilty. He's written to other serial killers and accused serial killers before. Hewerman responded, writing in part, thank you for your letters and advice. They have been a help and a comfort to me. I do understand what you have said, and I have taken it to heart. And Jesperson then sent Hewerman's response to podcaster Keith Revere for safe kip- keeping. Listen to this.
6: Sometimes I think the most important thing is what's not said in a letter. What is not said is, I'm innocent. I'm not guilty. I did not do this. We think it. Any of that, when I read this, I read it almost like I got a, a sense of how he was writing it, like a peace and a calm about him, not worried about anything, almost reserved into the fact that I like, guess acceptance, where I, I, I know I'm guilty.
8: And no just, word if this uh, correspondence is going to continue on. Uh, right now, we can tell you that Rex Uerman is expected back in court in February, while this documentary here on Long Island goes on.
0: A consciousness of guilt. Uh, Professor Mike Geary, say it. Yeah, Billy. Consciousness that of guilt. Isn't that a consciousness of guilt?
2: Well, interesting. I mean, in a way you, you probably, won't, you, you're not going to get it before a jury, uh, but interesting that he wouldn't say, uh, you know, thank you very much for your, for your, you know, kind and thoughtful and earnest words, Mr. Happy Face, but uh, I'm innocent right. and I'm going to fight these charges. The idea that he didn't do that and said, "I'll take it to heart. I'll think about it." You know that sort of thing. You know, yeah. To me, that's that's implying consciousness of guilt. But you know, it's Jerry's never gonna. Know well, it's, it's that.
0: like when Phil and I saw that interview with him. He goes, "I'm Rex Uerman. I'm an architect. I um, live on Long Island. I'm married. I'm a serial killer. <laughs> have,
1: you know, <laughs> I'm a fixer. I'm a serial killer." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Phil. I want you to do a quick. Uh, Sure. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Now, listen, guys, if you found yourself in some type of a, you know, jam with, let's say a DWI or anything up to, you know, murder, you have Joe Murray on the screen, a terrific criminal defense attorney. He's not only a criminal defense attorney, he's also a retired 15 year member of the NYPD. So he literally knows both sides of defense. You could reach Joe at his website, jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702 you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Joe's a big supporter of Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, and we think he's a terrific criminal defense attorney.
0: Very well done, Phil. You know, I just want to go around once uh, with everyone. Uh, I think this was uh, a very interesting uh, case we we covered here. First, I want to, for for our women fans, I want to put this picture up in this. (laughs) This macho, this oh, macho, I look terrible. I, 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 I couldn't find the uh, I couldn't find the scuba diving one, so I had to substitute this one. That's Bobby. Bobby, uh, I I forgot to tell the audience. Bobby writes for Criminal Minds. Uh, Used to write
3: for Criminal
0: Minds. Him and Jim Clementi, uh, another FBI agent. These guys also they just collect law degrees on their way through the <laughs> FBI, just like Mike Geary got his going on the NYPD. I find that uh amazing i know bobby you got yours before you went on the fbi right. so that at least you could have, you lived the life of a student not <laughs> a student that had to work and go to school that's got to be twice as hard i would think right
3: but, i had uh, i had several Nassau county cops and nypd guys in my law school class
0: and it's it's so tough to work and go to law school right
3: yeah it's- yeah and and because i think it was because we offered a four year program which means you you didn't have you didn't have the condensed uh, time frame. It was a little more. Um, and I think they didn't have night classes then. I don't know if I know Fordham uh, used to offer night classes at law school, which really helped, uh, uh, people, uh, working and stuff. But we, I had a, I had a good, good amount of people that were working and going to, to law school. Also Very at the same tough. Time. Uh,
0: Bobby, your final thoughts on this keeper
3: as, as you know, as much as I might get hate mail for it. Um, you know, people have a first amendment, right. To, to speak. if they they have no criminal culpability and no civil liability with respect to what they're saying, as, as distasteful as it seems, um, if his wife is, is not criminally liable, um, she has a right to make that deal. And, and I, I agree. I'm all about the the victims and I wish we, you know, we should always do more for victims uh, to protect them, but the laws as they stand now, the son of Sam laws that were, um, you know redrafted uh to 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 uh adhere to the supreme court's decision um are much more narrow than they used to be and and so and and so i think that as as distasteful as it is um i don't think there's a legal barrier obviously there's a moral barrier to it um but you know in our society today you know th- those moral barriers i don't know how much they exist anymore You know, Bobby, as you said, the
0: the moral barrier in show business just doesn't exist. I mean, you know, we could get into a whole other topic, but, you know, Hollywood's been totally silent about the conflict in Israel and Gaza. They haven't said a word, you know. There's no money to
3: be made. What's that? There's no money to be made.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But they're always putting their two cents in about everything else. But they're totally even some of the most powerful uh, Jewish people in Hollywood not a peep out of them right you know? which to right. me is a little bit disgraceful I think well my friends in Hollywood
3: that are that are Jewish are actually fearful for the for their own safety right now um they' they won't they won't wear a star David outside now um, because the pro Hamas That's football. really a shame yeah they're they're, they're really actually crazy. I've gotten emails and I have phone calls with with friends that are actually for the first time in their lives they're Jewish Americans they're afraid to be known as Jewish in, in this country and um, and 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 so and and it's only getting worse. I mean, you guys know you're in New York, you know what's happening with the tree lighting ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we know what's happened at the New York Post building. Um, this is an aggressive, aggressive movement, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas movement.
0: Yeah, it's 100%. very scary. <laughs> Professor Mike, your thoughts uh, on on this.
2: <laughs> yeah, Billy, I think uh, Bobby's right. And we should, and everyone who's watching should just be aware that it, it might seem very strange, but you know, Asa Elsrup and her family, they might be complete innocent victims. And just because Johnny Ray says someone, some affiant signed an affidavit believing that, uh, you know, this went on, you know, 19 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, it, it, uh, it doesn't mean that these people haven't been, um, you know, uh, th- you know, thrown shade on by Johnny Ray and these people who have a vested interest in perhaps doing this, um, you know therefore they may actually uh, have suffered tremendously and they may feel that you know it's their chance to actually kind of write the ship for their own lives and move past and you're gonna need money and you're gonna need time and uh, this gives them that opportunity. So you know I don't feel uh, feel that they've done anything wrong at this point.
0: A typical lawyer. I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was the
0: goal Billy. Detective,
1: Detective Phil,
0: your final thoughts.
1: My final thoughts to this. This is 2023. This is the way things go. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, it raised an eyebrow. Uh, is it illegal? Of course not. It's not. They found ways through laws to, you know, finance uh, Asa Elrub and the attorneys. And they're going to do that. And I want to make one quick comment about what you said earlier, Billy. Uh, you know, as far as us doing this show And we're doing the same thing, maybe you know, making a couple of bucks off it. I think that we have a lot of integrity. I'm doing this show almost three years with you, Billy. It's about 25 years. We have integrity. We have professionalism. We don't go into the weeds. We don't go into conspiracy theories. We try to stick to the facts. And I think that that's kind of comforting for victims, perhaps. And we tell the people of, uh, you know, what we think uh, might be happening in cases and stuff like that, what the outcomes might be. So uh, again, we're not becoming millionaires off of this. Nobody offered us a million dollars, but. I think that our professionalism and our integrity is intact to this very moment.
0: Very well said. And Phil, just because you're three years, you're not getting a raise. Don't bring it up (laughs) on the air. (laughs) Cops never get paid. You read right through that.
1: You read right through that.
0: Cindy Goddard, thank you so much for the $10 super sticker. And for those that uh, gave me super stickers that I missed, because we were such in such deep, deep conversation. We we had had a very good conversation for for all your support. Uh, Bobby Chacon, thank you so much for coming on yes. with zero notice. I notified you today. You said, Yeah, oh, come on. <laughs> uh, that's indicative of like us having no life, right? <laughs>
3: it's a, um, that was my life right there. Uh, right there. <laughs> Professor there? Mike Fury. Yeah. Oh,
0: there's your wife, your dog there. Yeah, that guy. I got to
3: feed him right after. Right after. All right. And he's a Professor
0: big guy. Mike, thank you for coming on. And uh, Detective Phil, thank you so much. And folks, you in the audience, Thank you so much for listening on behalf of Police Off the Cuff. Have a great night and God bless. Stay safe, everyone.
2: Good night.
8: One episode, just enough.